0: You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. If you listen to the podcast, and of course you do, because you're hearing this right now, you know that I always ask my guests what their preferred method of self-care is. Well, here's my answer, a good cup of coffee. This year has truly made me appreciate the little things that make my life better. And a good cup of coffee goes a long way. That's why I switched to Four Sigmatic and I haven't gone back. They use mushrooms in their beans and it gives me a kick in the morning that I didn't know I needed before and now I miss if I have anything other than Four Sigmatic. Once you give them a try, trust me, you're not going to want to go back. So go check out the link in my show notes or on my podcast website and use the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Check out Four Sigmatic today. Welcome to episode five of Choose Your Struggle, season two. This episode is with Will Godfrey of FilterMag. Before that, take it away, Kid Mental.
1: Things ain't always gonna go our way.
0: You can always win when you just go. And some battles are for yesterday, but today
1: is for a new beginning. Just go. and don't worry about what they say. but you can always win when you just go. And you can bounce back yesterday. Come on and listen in to just struggle. Just
0: Just struggle. Just struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. This is episode five, the third full-length episode of the season, but episode five. I hope you're enjoying the Monday Motivation podcast. I really like making those. And even more importantly, I love the responses I get from those. As promised, I've sent out some stickers and some magnets. If you go to my Choose Your Struggle Instagram and... You go to I don't know what they're called memories or, or <laughs> the saved posts or whatever above the the main ones the little circles you know under my name and stuff and you click on the one that says choose your struggle merch you'll see the things people have shared with me that you know tagged me and and, and that I've shared uh, them getting a sticker them getting a magnet whatever the case is you'll also see you know people who got tank tops and by the way I still have some of those so if you haven't grabbed a tank top do so. Uh, as a reminder, you can get a discount on all merch on Patreon, so definitely check out the Patreon, Choose to Struggle at Patreon. Now, this week's episode, I have been a fan of Filter Mag for a couple of years, and last year, I finally went, you know, I've been reading them for so long, they deserve my money. They deserve to be paid for all this incredible stuff. So I, I made a donation to the nonprofit that is their backbone. And because of that, I was super lucky to build a relationship or or start a conversation, I think is a better way to say it, with Will Godfrey, their uh, editor-in-chief and and the guy that makes this all possible. And and because of that, that led to this interview. Now, Will gets really into a very expertly put explanation about why it's so important that Filter exists. And, you know, just quickly from my own perspective, I read a lot of this stuff. You know, I get uh, Google Alerts every day. I have probably 50 of them set up and in everything from substance misuse to, to addiction, to mental health, to uh, drug policy. I mean, all these kind of words that I get articles sent to me every day about. And so many of the traditional media outlets, even the more progressive ones like Vice, you know, so many of them. Don't do an incredible job around the topic of drug use. They they will sort of every article will have like a paragraph that they'll throw to the to the more progressive or or the more honest takes on things like substance misuse or drug policy. Even articles like and outlets for like Vice that do sort of lean into it heavier, quite frankly, don't go far enough. And then there's Filter. And, and, and if, if the line is drawn from these traditional media outlets, Filter lives beyond it. And, and you'll hear Will talk a little bit about that. By the way, this isn't just my thoughts on this. You know, I, I, just yesterday, I was talking to a young woman who actually has written for Filter. And she was telling me that even these other areas she, that she's written for, she's written great articles for, for other publications. But when it comes to the topic of drug policy, only Filter will give her a voice because her her the things she's saying are too whatever fill in the blank too too honest too, too cr- criticizing of certain tropes that we see in in more traditional outlets, and so she she doesn't get picked up. And then she writes about other topics, and they always publish her work. So this was straight from <laughs> straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Another thing I love is when I see people that I respect who pop up, (laughs) have written an article or two for Filter. You know, people that have been on this podcast before, Natalie Papillon and and, and Tessie Castillo from last season, both have written for Filter. And it always makes me happy when they pop up and I immediately share. I share a lot of Filter stuff. In fact, if you're following the Choose Your Struggle Twitter or my personal Twitter, a lot of Filter stuff has been shared on there. and, And Filter does a great job of retweeting. So if you ever. You know, like, like if that's the thing you're interested in, is trying to get the message out more about these topics. You know, tweet a a filter article and tag them, and I almost guarantee you that they will they will retweet it, and, and it's it starts really great conversation. So props to filter in in many regards. Now, one more interesting thing about this conversation, this was taking place as the events at the Capitol unfolded. This wasn't even a hey man, like did you see that shit an hour ago. This was literally, are you watching the news right now? And, uh, you know, it started probably half an hour before we, we got on Zoom. And, and my wife and I were standing at my computer watching everything unfold through the live stream. And I said to her, you know, I wonder if Will will want to postpone because, you know, he's a journalist and, and all of this is going on. And, and I asked him when he got on the Zoom, I said, do you want to postpone? And he said, no. He said, this is too important. Let's, let's keep this conversation going. And I was really worried, actually, when I went to edit that, that we may sound distracted. It's hard to even formulate thoughts as, as this sort of action is going down. And at the time, we didn't really know what was going to come next. And so we both had the news on kind of in the background. But it, we, I don't think we did. I think we, we pulled it off very well. But, but just keep in mind that that's happening as, <laughs> as we're having this conversation. So I hope you go from here and, and check out Filter. It'll be in the show notes as always. And you can find them online at just searching "Filter Mag," filter as in F I L T E R. And it's really, you know, I signed up for their newsletter because I love that everything that that I get, you know, multiple times a week that they send out their newsletter. It's not just their own stuff; they'll send out things that have to do with these topics. Uh, and it really gives me it, it's like it's like the best Google alert I have. You know, it, it gives me a great roundup of a lot of these incredible topics. So. Go check out Filter, sign up for their mailing list, but most importantly, enjoy this conversation with Will Godfrey. Ever since Mountain Made CBD founder Mike Passion came on the podcast way back in the beginning of season one, I've been lucky enough to call them a sponsor. And I say lucky because I love CBD. I preach about it to everybody. Mountain Made is the best in the game. They've got lower than the federally compliant level of THC, so it ships nationwide. But they've got enough thc that you get the entourage effect it's the best of both worlds i love their boost it's a 10 milligram chewable it's orange sherbet and white tea leaf flavor it's fantastic i take a couple of them throughout the day and it's got me feeling pretty good if you want to start the morning on a high note they've got build build is a 50 milligram quick release tablet to take it with your coffee you get it going in the morning and you feel great throughout the day At the end of the day, they've got Recover, and Recover is a 25-milligram chewable. It's mango-flavored. It's got magnolia. It'll leave you feeling pretty nice at the end of the day. My wife and I even picked up their dog chewables, which our dog loves. She's got anxiety. She's a rescue dog. And just one of Mountain Maid's chewables leaves her feeling pretty good. But here's the thing. Don't just take my word for it. I turn my wife on to Mountain Maid, and she loves it. So let's hear what she has to say. Mountain Made is the only CBD I have ever loved, the only CBD I've been willing to purchase over and over and over again, and I don't see that stopping. So go to mountainmadecbd.com, and when you check out, tell them Choose Your Struggle sent you. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Hi, my name is Will Godfrey. I'm the editor-in-chief of Filter, uh, an online magazine that advocates through journalism for rational and compassionate approaches to drug policy, drug use and human rights and I'm the executive director of the Influence Foundation, which is the nonprofit organization that owns and operates Filter.
0: Uh, and I will say uh, this is my um, you know, uh, sort of heads up to all the listeners. Not only am I a reader who uh, loves Filter very much, um, but I am also a financial supporter because I believe that much in what Filter is doing.
1: And we're extremely grateful to you.
0: So if you want to go ahead at this point now and kind of talk about why this topic, what got you interested in this and, 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 you know, help us understand who Will Godfrey is.
1: Well, thank you. Um, Filter was founded by um, a group of us in the organization in 2017. And we went live in September, 2018 to advocate, as our mission says through journalism for rational and compassionate approaches to drug use, drug policy, and human rights. We felt, in fact, we knew that there was a gap in media uh, to do this. Uh, media massively fails on a, on a wide scale to cover drug issues and intersection issues in a proportionate, fair, uh, rational and compassionate way. I know this because I ran several um, previous online publications in, in this kind of space uh, before we started Filter, Um when i came to the united states about 10 years ago um, i worked at a publication called the fix uh, which was addiction and recovery focused, but covering lots of um, related issues um, and had a spell eventually there as editor-in-chief i then had the opportunity to found two other harm reduction oriented publications in succession one called substance and one called the influence and that's where the mission of filter that or the mission that evolved into filter originally developed. However, both of those other publications I mentioned were owned by interests in the more traditional rehab space, the rehab industry in the United States. And that created or, or some tensions and some conflicts in an editorial team that wanted to cover drugs from a harm reduction perspective and in a purely mission-driven way. Uh, And so uh, that's why I and some others started uh, a non-profit version of those publications so that the mission could continue to evolve. And we've been doing that since uh, September 2018 when we went live. Prior to that, uh, I was in London and I actually worked in the education department of a prison called Pentonville Prison, where I had the opportunity to co-found and edit a print publication that was written by and for um, incarcerated people in London. Um, So that introduced me to to many of the issues that my subsequent online publications uh, have addressed. Filter tries to approach drugs in obviously through a harm reduction lens but also in an in an open minded way too many people have preconceptions and prejudices about drugs first and foremost that they are that all people's relationship with drugs are harmful which of course we know just isn't the case almost all of us use drugs in one form or another and most people's relationships with drugs even the most um, stigmatized and criminalized drugs that you can think of are in fact not problematic that's not to say that drug-related issues don't exist, they certainly do, but they are greatly exacerbated by the criminalization and stigmatisation uh, of these drugs and the people who use them. And so we're trying to come at it in a fresh way to acknowledge um, the, the beneficial and non-problematic relationships that people have with drugs, just as much as we acknowledge drug-related issues and, of course, the crisis of drug-involved deaths. Now, While drugs is our core, we can't possibly uh, cover drugs without covering lots of other issues. Drug issues do not occur in a vacuum. We have to acknowledge that drug issues and the criminalization of drugs impact different demographics disproportionately. Um, Drug policy in this country and, and elsewhere in the world is fundamentally racist for example we can't cover drugs without covering racism without covering incarceration without covering mental health without covering sex work and all kinds of other areas that very obviously intersect with drug issues and so at filter we will always uh, step out of our of our core subject if you like to to cover obvious intersections pertaining to human rights and and social justice linked with with drug issues but we will also step back to retain i hope our uh, specialization and our harm reduction ethos by by centering primarily on drugs
0: well a lot to unpack in there a lot of amazing things um and, and i'll start with this the thing that i love the most about filter is that is the honesty you know there's no coaching there's no um sort of uh, nodding towards okay well you know this may not be true but it's conventional wisdom and, and it, unfortunately that's how a lot of uh i don't even want to say mainstream because mainstream media has unfortunately taken on such a connotation but the well-known journalist sort of even if they're arguing for harm reduction they will spend parts of the article sort of you know nodding to outdated and harmful ideas about drug use filter doesn't do any of that and in fact a lot of the incredible writers that you have at filter challenge a lot of those beliefs
1: yes i i I hope that we do that's that's one of uh the principal reasons for our existence um i think it's it's absolutely vital to underline and emphasize all the time that the harms related to drugs very often depend on the context of drug use, uh, for any kind of stigmatized or, or criminalized substance you can think of, there are, um, accepted and, and, and legal versions, for example, uh, fentanyl itself, um, which has attracted understandably so many headlines for its involvement in tens of thousands of us deaths per year, um, is also used as, uh, you know, in, in medical settings and, and in, with very beneficial outcomes. And, so pro- prohibition creates the environment that, um, that enables uh, these great harms. And I think it's, it's always important to centre that. Um, similarly, with something like methamphetamine, we have Adderall, which, uh, you know, is uh, the pharmaceutical equivalent and um, which um, I, I remember one of my previous publications working on a memorable article written by Carl Hart, whereby uh, he compared the two, noted that they're chemically almost identical and, and that the harms um, associated with meth that aren't necessarily associated with the pharmaceutical version depend heavily uh, on the context of use. And so, you know, we we, we know that people can have non-problematic, uh, safe, uh, indeed beneficial relationships with drugs in all kinds of contexts, but not the context that is inflicted by the criminalization of drugs.
0: That's a really important point, uh, that, that, you know, that the people like to blame a lot of the crime and the dangers and all these horrible things that are reported on drugs without stepping back and going oh it's oh, oh it's the prohibition you know like it's it's the same thing that we saw here in the states with prohibition on alcohol you know the argument can be made that the minute that that prohibition was over and all of a sudden the crime went away and people were just shocked. And yet we're doing it still for decades, for generations around
1: drugs. Yes. And the and the analogy with uh, alcohol prohibition is, is, is a good one because uh, what did we see? We didn't see a reduction in alcohol related harms. We saw um, the elevation of um, sort of home brewed liquors that were particularly associated with harms, um, we saw the criminalization of people not the criminalization of people you know equally across the board, but of course um, certain stigmatized demographics and groups of society that were disproportionately criminalized. but again and again we don't seem to learn that this approach to drugs is is harmful, it's unjust um, and it causes uh, far more problems uh, than it solves. And we we see even sort of new iterations of of this kind of mentality applied, for example, to uh, the new generation of of nicotine products, uh, va- vaping products, with flavor bans all over the country. Um, Ethan Nadelman, the founder, of course, of Drug Policy Alliance, call, called this you know he he thinks it's the great new drug war of the twenty first century because again we're reacting to uh, the presence of a a drug, a form of drug use that people find threatening, people um, associate and and exaggerate its uptake among youth and teens, the think of the children argument, as it's always known, and and thereby cracking down on it in a completely counterproductive way that that criminalizes sections of society and uh, does nothing to repair harms but creates them.
0: So this is uh, – yeah. first off, you and I could talk for hours. My, my, my like, number one interest is drug policy and how stupid we are for the most part around drug policy. But why – as someone who studies this, like this is your life, is studying this stuff. Why is it so hard for people to sh- see shades of gray when it comes to drugs? We are such a black and white thinking people anyways. But when it comes to drugs, it is – Light and day, in it, a it, it, night and day, it is good or bad. It is, you know, there's no shades of gray, and that
1: people struggle with this so much. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a complex question, and there are a bunch of answers. I think an important part of it is othering. And we can talk first about othering of drugs. People create these mental and societal hierarchies of drugs based on their familiarity with or and or ignorance. Over certain drugs, um, for example, it would seem you know most of us consume caffeine, and it would seem ridiculous to most people to ban that, or it has been done in some societies in in history. Um, and similarly, alcohol is so widespread that it's become you know universally accepted by most people, although although it is still unduly blamed and thrown under the bus in some circumstances. But many of the illegal and highly stigmatized drugs that we're talking about, for example, heroin, is actually used by very, very few people in the, in the context of, of the broader population. And so people find it easier to stigmatize and scaremonger over drugs that they have, of which they have little personal experience and, and which they don't, Know a great deal about, and I think one of the you know one of the reasons that cannabis legalization, for example, has been able to take off in this country is that it's actually a relatively common substance for people to use. We know that fifty percent plus of the U.S. population have at least used cannabis at some point in their life, and they know that um, the the sort of the scare stories that that have been shared about it are generally untrue. And so it's it's been easier for people to, you know, to, to accept the normalisation of cannabis. Uh, it's harder for people to accept the normalisation of substances where they've just been exposed to so much propaganda of it, but they don't have, relating to it, but they don't have much first-hand experience. Another piece of this othering, of course, is uh, to do with racism and, and the other forms of prejudice that Exist throughout our society, um, and of course, if if drugs, if people are not familiar with drugs, but they associate the use of those drugs with different demographic groups of people, um, demographic groups that are marginalised um, and and which have been subject to prejudice for generations, then it makes it that much easier or more likely uh, that people will stigmatize those substances and um, you know i think a, an example of that clearly is is in the so called uh, crack era where again you have um, two two forms of a drug that are chemically very very similar you have powder cocaine and crack cocaine which is just powder cocaine which is just cocaine in a slightly different form and at the height of the of the of the racist crack scare We saw a fear campaign that resulted in legislation creating a 100 to 1 sentencing disparity um, for crack law violations versus powder cocaine law violations. Without question, that was racially motivated because crack was perceived to be used by black communities in a way that powder cocaine was not. And I think that that's you know it's a it's a prime example that subsequent reforms have reduced that disparity to only 18 to 1 uh, but nevertheless it it persists and um so i think i think the othering that occurs um when the the bulk of people are unfamiliar with a substance so the stigmatization of that substance and the othering that occurs when substances are uh, rightly or wrongly perceived to be used by certain demographic groups by certain marginalized groups that um facilitates that stigma and 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 relates to the prejudices that are still so common in our society.
0: Thank you well for for being so specific on that. That's really important. And, and one thing that my my listeners know that I've talked about so many times before is a lot of that is intentional. You know, Harry Anslinger and, and even before him, although he really was sort of the catalyst for a lot of these things, but all of this was intentional. This was this othering. It's not an accident. This wasn't a byproduct. This is the product.
1: Yes, I think I think it's very important to, to point that out. And um, of course, there's been that that widely um, reported um, admission by someone involved in the Nixon administration that the the war on drugs was launched, uh, The the modern iteration of the war on drugs was launched in, in order to target black people to to target what they described as, as hippies. And so yeah, I think it's it's important to be very clear that these laws don't just have unintended consequences, they have intended consequences.
0: Yes, thank you for 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 making that clear. Yes, the quote by John Ehrlichman is the one you're referring to. Um, and, and and you know even going far back again to Harry Anslinger who said you know I think the quote that we need to repeat time and time and time and time again because people need to understand just how important racism was as the base of this you know Anslinger in trying to explain why he wanted to outlaw uh, cannabis you know marijuana he said you know can or, or marijuana makes the the darky thinks he's as good as a white man which is just so blatant you know that this racism was so clear from the beginning. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they've swallowed a lot of these lies, hook, line, and line and sinker, because they've never been willing to challenge what they, you know, heard on the news, or uh, you know, being a young, a guy of of my generation who who was taught dare and just say no in schools. You know, there's there's not a lot of willingness, unfortunately, from some people to challenge those ideas.
1: Yes, and and you can, I mean, you can look right back to the roots of. Um, modern drug prohibition in the early 20th century in the United States and, um, you know, and actually attach a specific form of prejudice to the prohibition of each drug. I mean, marijuana, for example, uh, was associated with Mexican immigrants and there was a a media fear campaign over that. Opium was associated with, uh, with Chinese immigrants and Chinese Americans and cocaine was associated with with black americans and you can look back and see see the notorious headlines from the new york times and many many other publications uh, that fed into this othering and this this sort of public moral panic about it which resulted in in the laws that have caused um and and fueled and exacerbated the great problems that we see today in the second half of the show, I want to talk you know, specifically about Filter because,
0: I mean, as you know, I'm such a big fan. But let's close out this half with a little more about you. You know, you've worked in this most – it sounds like a lot of your adult life. Is there something from when you were young that really made you want to get into this? Or what was it specifically that made you go, you know what? This is my passion. This is my path.
1: I mean a lot of things feed into that of course um as a young person at school and college i knew um lots of people who used and sometimes sold drugs and it always seemed to me fundamentally um, unjust that um it always seemed to me fundamentally wrong that people could be um, arrested criminalized incarcerated um just for doing something that that was causing no harm to anyone else and often causing no harm to uh to the person themselves um, but I think it was it was in 2006 when I began working um, with incarcerated people in London that it really hit home hard for me. Um, I was confronted with this mass human rights violation of, of people being incarcerated which fundamentally I'm against anyway. Um, but I also of course many people I, I was confronted with the outcomes of bad and cruel and targeted drug laws um, by meeting many people who were incarcerated for drug law violations um, and who had done nothing very different from the people that I knew in school and college. But most of the people I knew in school and college weren't incarcerated, and these people were. And what's the difference? Well, um, it was the socioeconomic or the racial background um, of these incarcerated people. so that really illustrated in the in the starkest and and most heartbreaking terms the human consequences of of these cruel and targeted laws and and that fueled my passion, my you know my conviction, my absolute conviction that there is something fundamentally wrong about the way that we approach drugs as a society and not just the way we approach drugs but the way we approach people um, which manifests. Through drug policies, but it became clear to me that that drug policy was something I wanted to work. Current drug policies were something I wanted to work against in some way, and so I took that with me throughout my subsequent career.
0: Well, I, and I gotta say, you know, I'm, I, if if you don't hear this enough, I'm glad that you did because, um, you know, there really, if Filter didn't exist, there'd be a hole. There are other publications that do great work, and I don't want to minimize that. But, um, you know, as someone who is not only a subscriber but a a donor, I am so – I eagerly await when Filter arrives in my inbox uh, because I know it is going to be packed full of honest reporting around these topics. And as someone who, like I said earlier, spends their days on these topics, there is still a lot in Filter that I'm like, wow, I didn't even hear about that, you know. And so for someone who isn't as tuned in like I am – it's a, such a lifeline for, for understanding what's happening
1: Well thanks Jay. that means a lot to me that, that you would say that and of course you're, um, you're largely simpatico and and many of our readers are we you know we're very glad to have um, a core readership of people who are in the harm reduction movement and very actively engaged with it. but I also think that we would fail as a publication uh, if we didn't reach out beyond that echo chamber and actually change minds from time to time. And some of the best feedback that I ever get is from people who say, you know, I didn't used to think this way about this subject, but then I read something that Filter published and I saw that actually I should probably rethink it. And I think that's the, the you know, it, it, I wish it could happen more often because that's the absolute core of what we want to achieve is is changing the conversation around drugs and many intersecting issues.
0: So that is a great transition. If people are just loving this, they, they listening to you going, God, I got to follow what he's talking about. Shout out where people can find you. And, and also of course,
1: more importantly, find filter online. Well, first and foremost, uh, you can find filter at our website, which is www.filtermag.org. You can also, if you're social media inclined, uh, you can follow us on, on Twitter. We're, um, filter mag underscore org on twitter you can look up our handle there um, and i'm personally at godfrey will uh, i got my name backwards because somebody else got it forwards if you've
0: been listening to the podcast for a while you know that it's not the only thing i do choose your struggle is an entire brand i speak i coach and consult i have rock bottom storytellers there's a lot going on And sometimes I get to a project and I go, man, I just, I can't do all of this myself. So I turn to Fiverr. It's so easy to find incredible professionals who can help me out. I've hired people to help with marketing, help with SEO, help with my website, so much great stuff all on Fiverr. I even found Kid Mental who did the incredible theme song on Fiverr. So if you have a project that you need some help on, Go check out Fiverr. Use the link in the show notes or my podcast website, and you'll help the podcast in the process. Check them out today. Check out my friends, The Happiness Question, which is a podcast that aims to help listeners find hope, happiness, and inspiration in the world around them. Just like Choose Your Struggle, The Happiness Question features experts and those who have experienced adversity from all around the globe. The Happiness Question will help you find happiness even when it doesn't feel possible. You can listen and subscribe to The Happiness Question on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com chooseyourstruggle. Let's talk a little bit about Filter's process. So, you know, where do you find these incredible writers, a lot of whom are reporters, but other ones aren't? I mean, these are people who are writing very personal Stories.
1: Yeah, it's a real mixture, and and that's how I would want it to be. I mean, of course, having run um, several other publications in this space, I did have a pre-existing Rolodex of excellent writers, reporters, essayists, and uh, and contributors of all kinds. Um, but many people just come to us at this point, and that's very welcome as well. We receive regular pitches from people we've never met before, and and you know, part of our mission is to platform as many different voices and a diverse range of voices. So that's that's always very welcome. And then we have a, our our core team, of course. And um, you know, it's not just me, it's it's Helen Redmond, it's um our new deputy editor, Castalia Medrano, it's uh, staff writer Ceci Cuabara Blanchard and um and our new editorial fellow Lucia Gang. So it's 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 a whole team of people, each of whom have their own perspectives, their own contacts, and we We come up with ideas very organically. Of course, we generate quite a number of ideas in-house but i also want to listen to to people in our contributor list and beyond i mean we have uh, i dare say about 140 people have written for filter at this point and i think that we can generate far better ideas by listening to a larger group of people and, and taking ideas in from outside than we can just a few of us sitting in a room and uh, and, and and writing our ideas on the back of an envelope so yeah it's it's, it's a real mixture and that's how I would want it to be. And I hope we continue to, to grow and, and attract an increasingly broad and diverse range of perspectives.
0: So that's something else that I love about y'all. And, and you, you said that so perfectly is that, yes, you have a couple of writers who I you know don't miss an article because I know it's going to be good. But occasionally I'll open it up and go, wow, that blew my socks off. Who was that? And it's someone who, you know, they don't even have a profile on your website. It's just someone who was so passionate about the subject. So if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, man, I think I have a great article or an idea,
1: how do how do those people find you? How does that work? Oh, well, we have um, an about page where we invite pitches. And to give you a shortcut, um, the email you should send pitches to is editor at filtermag.org. Um, and I, I read all of those pitches. And the disclaimer we have on the website is we do get a lot of pitches. And sadly, we're not able to respond to to all of those that, that we don't use. However, they are always welcome. They do always get read. And we try to use as many of them as we can in order to to, to continue to to build up um, our network of contributors and, and really broaden our coverage and, and make it as good as we can.
0: I think back to something you said early on in this conversation about how you cannot talk about some of these subjects without talking about things like racism and uh, and and health in this country. And occasionally there will be an article where I'll be reading the first part and going, how does this fit into filter? And then I'll get to the end and it ties up. So so what is that conversation like where someone apo- approaches you or, or when someone else in the team and goes you know this doesn't exactly fit but trust me here i think this is something that needs to be said how much leeway i guess is 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 there inside of the circle of things that you cover
1: that's a good question and it's an internal debate that we're always having as i said earlier we'll'll we'll, we'll step out of our core areas where there are obvious connections and so with incarceration we don't have to have drugs in, in the headline or the lead, um, it is obvious that, that mass incarceration is connected um, with drugs, although d- drugs is not the only driving, drug policy is not the only driving factor. It's it's, it's always an internal debate that we have, how drug focused to be and how more broadly human rights focused uh, to be. And, and my my general rule is, rule of thumb is that every week I want to publish stuff that is really focused on and centered on drugs, but I also want to publish stuff that is is about broader human rights and social justice themes. To give you one example, we're, we're very shortly going to publish a report about New York's state's adoption of reforms to driver's license suspension laws, whereby people who um, have their driver's license suspended through not paying traffic fines are you know now going to have better chances to avoid that license suspension by entering payment plans and and, and so on and other reforms. Why does that relate to drugs? Well, it does, because every time somebody, some people whose driver's licenses are suspended, they have to drive, right? They They have to get to their medical appointments. They have to get their kids to school. They have to drive in order to work. There is just no realistic way for them not to drive. But if they're driving with a suspended license, then they're subject to criminalization anytime they get stopped. If they're a person who uses drugs, well, it's it's ramped up from there because they might have drugs that are discovered during a stop and search, and so I think that's a that's a good example of something. I mean, it's it's a broader human rights issue because it relates to the criminalization of poverty, uh, but it also clearly links in with uh, people who use drugs, people who struggle with substance use disorders, and need to attend. Treatment programs, methadone programs, whatever it might be, so something like that, which seems on first glance to have nothing to do with our subjects, actually does. And uh, the piece, one piece that we're going to publish soon, um, I hope will will illustrate those connections.
0: I I love it, and 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 you know, I I go back to my comment from before that even as someone who who worked in this space and does. You know, my bookshelf is full of, of writing about these topics. There are still things that uh, pop up on Filter where, you know, like I said, I'll get to the bottom and go, man, I didn't even think about that as being part of this work. So, um, you know, I really applaud uh, you and your team for for that work. So this this may be a harder question, but we are talking, you and I literally are talking here on the 6th of January uh, as just absolute chaos is, is being sown in Washington, D.C., Things in our nation's capital, in politics in general, and obviously you're you being from the UK, unfortunately, a lot of the harmful thinking around drugs also exists over there. You know, this is definitely not just an American thing, although America has, or the US, I should say, we're trying not to say America describe our country anymore, but uh the US has had an outsized influence on drug policy for far too long. The question I'm gonna ask then is is. With how slow things move in in DC and the chaos we're seeing today, what gives you a hope around this topic? Yes, you know people are saying all the time, well, you know, look, look at cannabis being legalized, but it's this should have happened a long time ago, and you know, a lot of the cannabis legalization work is leaving behind the the criminal justice piece.
1: So, so what is giving you hope right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question because you can you can look at it in a hopeful way and you can look at it with with a degree of despair at the continuing um mass human rights violations and atrocities conducted in the name uh, of the of the global war on drugs but you did ask me for for the hopeful signs and i see plenty as well you know oregon of course has recently passed the first in the nation all drug decriminalization measure of its of its kind you know, we are seeing new things being done that have never been done before. Whether it's whether it's even cannabis legalization in states that have never done that, whether it's Good Samaritan laws, whether it's naloxone distribution, whether it's the um, chances of safe consumption sites opening in many U.S. jurisdictions. We've seen, of course, an ongoing battle in in Philadelphia and other places. And so, there is progress being made, and uh, and quite dramatically so. When I when I look back. Um, 10 years to when I was, you know, the early days when I was involved in this in this movement in this field, um, we have moved forward on drug specific policies in many, many different ways. However, when you look at how far we still have to go, of course, there is a mountain to climb. And part of the reason there's a mountain to climb is not just drug prohibition, but it's it's the wider inequities in our society. It's it's the wider economic inequalities. It's the it's the wider racial inequalities. It's it's the circumstances that create um, many of the harms that that we're talking about. And yes, we want drug policy reform, but we don't just want drug policy reform. We want a fairer society. And if you're talking about that, well, we, we do still have a mountain to climb even with the, the changing administration, which which may change things for the better. But of course, the bar has been set so low uh, that that's not saying very much. Um, so um, yeah, we're seeing all kinds of things being done in the drug policy space that have never been done before. And FILTER, of course, will be looking very closely at the implementation and the outcomes of those measures. But my goodness, there's a long way to go.
0: Yeah, there there really is, and, and I'm thank you for for finishing on that because it leads me into my next question, which is, you know, reading filter is uh, incredible, and I definitely recommend to everyone if you haven't heard me fanboy yet in this conversation. But knowledge can only be as good as what you do with it. So, what do you know? What if someone reads filter and they subscribe and maybe they donate? Um, now I, I should say you know that over the summer uh, in 2020 i did a fundraiser on this podcast that raised almost $12,000 for drug policy alliance which i know also helps fund you guys right uh
1: we we have previously received a a grant from dpa yes
0: yeah and they're doing incredible work so my bigger question though is besides donating or or to you to dpa to to you know following you what can people do what what can we be doing to make this progress because as you so perfectly said yes we've we've had some minor steps it's it's amazing but good lord there's so far to go
1: well it can seem very daunting but i would i mean one thing i would point out is that a lot of activism is at its most effective when it's conducted on a local level and what injustices do you see where you live um you know we can we can talk about you know, drug related injustices, but we can also talk about, you know, if, if, if you live in a home and there are unhoused people that live in your neighbourhood, do you treat them like your neighbours or do you treat them like something else? Um, we can talk about what is policing look like local to you and and what are you doing if you're in a position of privilege to to object to what's going on? What are you doing um, to pressure your local uh, lawmakers and your local councils are you seeing nimbyism in your area about, uh, you know, attempts to, to block innovations that can benefit marginalized people, but which are being opposed by other groups where you live? So, I w- you know, I would encourage just in- involvement and engagement at all levels of activism. But if everybody started locally with, with what's happening in, in proximity to them, I think that that could have a great effect.
0: Beautifully put. Um, Will, you and I could talk for hours. I really appreciate this. Before we go into the final questions, though, let me let me take one more moment to say, please shout out where people can follow you, where they can follow Filter and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Yeah. So once again, our website is www.filtermag.com. Dot org, um, And if you go there, you may well be prompted to subscribe to either our daily or weekly newsletter, which is a way that you can make sure uh, that you never miss anything we publish. And our Twitter handle, if you're on social media, we're also on Facebook, but, but on Twitter, we're at filtermag underscore org.
0: Well, thank you again for that, and and thank you for being here. Just a couple more questions, and we'll wrap up. Number one, uh, I was finished with the same too. Is you know not just during COVID when things have been just so stressful, and you know again today as we as we chat, and there are rioters in the U.S. Capitol. What do you do for self care? How do you take a break, take a moment, and take care of yourself?
1: Well, um, life can be hard because I'm. A parent, and like many parents of young children, during these times there is no downtime because I'm either working or I'm looking after my kids. But one thing about kids that I find is that they do force you to take your mind off of work and off of the, the wider things that are wrong with the world, and, and focus just on um, making sure that they don't uh, smash up your home or something like that. So, um, so I am I am blessed in that way. Um, one of my vices as well is is uh, soccer, as it's called in this country, and, um, <laughs> and um, obsessively following the the fortunes of my largely ill-fortuned team uh, is, is another way that I that I get my mind out of the of the filter day to day.
0: Awesome, well put. So, final question is: is we have spent the last you know forty minutes or so uh, learning why we should follow you, but but more you know importantly follow Filter, but. Outside of that, who are some people that you follow that we should all be, you know, reading, listening to, uh, watching if it's on you know TV or something? Who, who who are we missing that we should all be checking out?
1: Well, I would. I mean, we've we've mentioned Drug Policy Alliance a few times in this conversation, and they are, you know, the preeminent drug policy reform uh, organization. Um, you know, I would recommend following dpa to to get a handle on um on their latest campaigns uh, i recommend following their relatively new um executive director cassandra Frederick, who is uh you know an absolute um you know firebrand advocate someone someone that, that really um energizes this movement um also her um, one of her predecessors, Ethan Nadelman, who was a, a huge influence on me getting involved in this field and, and now um, dedicates himself a lot to uh, tobacco harm reduction. Um, we can talk about other publications like um, The Appeal, uh, which is very good on, on the criminal legal system. We can talk about organizations on a national level like um, the National Harm Reduction Coalition and there are, of course, many, many local organizations. And um, you, you asked me a question like that, and I could, if I sat down and thought about it, I could come up with a list of about 100 people <laughs> and organizations, But which I can't in real time. But I think, you know, I think Twitter is quite a good place to find these folks. If you're going and searching these subjects, if you're following the filter feed and, and seeing who re- we retweet, you'll, you'll get a good sense of of who's out there. And uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, a, it's a vibrant and powerful and and effective movement because it really needs to be
0: well well i i cannot thank you enough for coming on and and thank you please pass it on to your entire team for your work it is so important and i hope that listening today you know even a couple more people sign up to to get the filter newsletters and and check out the filter site because it's uh y'all are doing just incredible work
1: Thank you, Jay, and and thank you once again for your support and for having me on your show today. It's been a a pleasure chatting with you. Anyone
0: who knows me knows I'm a huge sports fan. I start every morning by listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast, and I never miss a Reds game. So when it's time for me to grab a gift for the sports fan in my life, I check out Fanatic's. They have everything you need from the best teams, the favorite players, and all the stuff is good. As a memorabilia and autographs collector, I trust Fanatics, but here's the best part. Fanatics always has some kind of discount going on from free shipping to 50 to 70% off some items. You're going to get a great deal every time at Fanatics, so check them out using the link in the show notes or from my podcast website and help the podcast in the process. Check them out today. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn. And Choose Your Struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Will Godfrey. I find his work to be so important and his knowledge on these subjects is incredible. It's vast, and he is he is such an inspiring guy, and the work he's doing and, and the team around him, I mean, it's just it's so appreciated. So thank you to the entire team at Filter. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Now, we've come to the end of this episode, and I'm going to use the 54 Ways to Ease the Anxious Mind card pack today, and I'm doing this in honor of, the inauguration, you know, that happened on Wednesday. Actually, as I'm recording this, it is Wednesday as I record this. You'll notice that I didn't say anything on this episode about the inauguration until this point because there's a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings that go into that. You know, a very short summary of that is: Am I happy? We're moving on from Trump. Of course, I'm happy. I'm not a Joe Biden fan. I uh, I am very worried about what's going to happen under him. I I am already seeing two. I'm already seeing us accept too easily the wins that would have been good in 2000 and, let's say, 12 or 14 being applauded today because of how low the bar was set under Trump. And and, and Will mentions that a little bit in this episode. In fact, I used that clip as, as the preview for this episode because, as he put it, the bar has been set so low that progress is that we'll get applauded by the by people under Biden are are nothing. It's it's you know not even an inch, and we're gonna celebrate because it's, at least it's not Trump, and that scares the crap out of me. So that's why I'm not really celebrating this week. I, I f- applaud or or not applaud. I'm happy for those of you who do feel excited, and of course there's reason to celebrate. You know, first woman VP versus black woman VP versus black. I mean, there's so many things. And, and, of course, moving on from Trump in itself is a celebration, but I'm not really hopeful, and that is weighing on me. So, again, these cards, 54 Ways to Ease the Anxious Mind, are for that reason. This is a great card, and I'm going to take this advice right away. It's ask someone for a hug. Ask someone for a hug. That's a good one. And, and, and I was encouraged by seeing a lot of those posts on social media. Yes, there's a lot of people celebrating, and that's great. Again, I don't want to rain on your parade. But I also saw a lot of posts saying, hey, I'm not celebrating today, or or you know, my celebration is is muted, or whatever the case is, and, and I need others to know that I feel that way. And, and if you feel that way, there's other people with you. And that's sort of a virtual hug. And so <laughs> I'm definitely going to take this advice. Go ask my wife and our dog for a hug. <laughs> Now, your good egg for this week is going to be twofold. Number one, go read something from Filtermag. Plain and simple, go find something. It's incredible. I've shouted them out before. I've linked their stuff in the show notes before. Go check it out, please. That's your number one. But number two, sort of going to last week's idea of seeing something from someone else's perspective, keep that in mind this week. I've heard from people that I love uh, very close to me that you know They're excited for a, quote-unquote, return to normal, and that just scares the crap out of me because normal that was good for some of us was horrible for others. And and that's what really scares me about Biden is that people are going to take their foot off the pedal. They're going to say, great, we've returned to, quote-unquote, normal, and they're going to forget that normal sucked. Normal was torture for a lot of people in this country and, and, and around the world. So, I guess my my good egg is kind of – it's more a big picture, and that is if you're celebrating this week and, you know, you want to snip at someone or, or, or tell someone to just enjoy the moment or whatever the case is, remember that this is – yes, a move on from Trump is a celebration from a lot, for a lot of us. But then for a lot of other people, myself included, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hesitancy. There's a lot of worry about what the next step is going to be and also that just because there's a new leader doesn't mean all the problems that that did exist over the last 4 years are gone so that's the good egg is is be patient with people who are not where you are who who are struggling to to find hope at this moment that's your good egg now One last thing before I finish, and that is remember that Rock Bottom Storytellers is on Wednesday. Please like my Facebook page and get ready to enjoy that. It's going to be incredible. But the most important thing, the most important thing this week, be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.